And if you could turn in your Bible to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 3 and finishing our Hebrews series this Advent season. Hebrews 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. My name is Jeremy Brooks, and, and Merry Christmas. If I don't know you, I'm one of the pastors of our church, Christ Covenant. And I'm so glad that we're talking about faith today, which is the subject of this sermon, and which we'll talk about just really helps us lay hold of everything that we just sang and rejoiced in. But it's amazing that Christmas is here and that, and that we're worshiping together on Christmas Day. I think this is particularly sweet because through Advent, we've actually been building up you know, as you know, in anticipation for Christmas. Advent's all about this expectation, this anticipation. And Advent, it's really about reminding us of God's story of anticipation, where his people were in darkness. They were in bondage. They were enslaved to other kingdoms, in bondage to their own sin. And they were anticipating light. They were anticipating a promised deliverer that God said would come. And every week, as we've been lighting these candles and, and talking about different things, we've been building this same kind of anticipation about Jesus' first coming, about Christmas. And one of my favorite songs to, to sing this year, just has been particularly sweet, is Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. It just captures the essence of this anticipation that Advent is all about. Our oldest daughter, Emerson, she's four now, and from her, I've been hearing a lot about her anticipation of Santa for the first time. Um, I'm not totally sure like where she learned all the mechanics of how Santa works, but she totally understands Santa, and she has been greatly anticipating him and the presents <laughs> that he's bringing. And all of us, too, we've been anticipating giving and receiving gifts, giving gifts to one another. It's, it's an important part of the season. Um, it's an important part of this time. I think it's really good. And as Jordan said, some of you kids who are here today, you're still anticipating those gifts. Um, you're waiting till after the service. <laughs> and so I will try not to keep you here too long. But you know, anticipation, it's this thing that's built into our souls. We anticipate good things to come. We anticipate sharing good things together. And we are anticipating the sad things to disappear. We're anticipating the evils and wrongs of this world to end. And so worshiping together on Christmas Day is so appropriate because on Christmas Day, the wait is over. The anticipation of Advent ends. Light has come to fully overwhelm and overcome darkness. Christmas Day is a rehearsal of sorts for when the season of Advent truly ends with Jesus in his second coming. But Christmas Day does come to an end. And reality sets back in. Our experience of light fully overcoming darkness is not here yet. But that's why we celebrate Advent, 
Because the first coming strengthens our anticipation of the second coming, to trust what God has promised in Christ's return. Christmas Day and Christmas time and Advent, it's this time that's training us to eagerly anticipate Jesus' return, to eagerly wait for him, as Hebrews 9 says, between these two Advents. And so that's what today's passage is about. How do we navigate life between the first Advent and the second Advent? Hebrews 11 makes it abundantly clear that it's by faith. But what does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean to, be by, to live by faith? Why is faith so important? Today we're going to focus on faith by looking at three main ideas. The need for faith, the nature of faith, and the life of faith. So first, the need for faith. Well, before diving into chapter 11, if you read a little bit before that in, in chapter 10, it really does serve as an introduction as to why chapter 11 is talking about faith. In chapter 10, verse 37, it reminds us of what this age is that we're in, this age between the second advent. Verse 37 says, Yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. So this passage is perfect for Christmas, a day when we're thinking of the Advent, the Adventus, the coming of the coming one, of Christ. And the author, he's appropriating this Old Testament prophecy to say to those Christians and to say to us that Jesus is coming again, and he's coming soon. But the verse right before that tells us something really important. It tells us that while we are waiting, we have a need. We are in need of endurance. Verse 36, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So this age between the advents, I think is appropriately called the age of endurance. Endurance is needed to continue to live faithfully, to do the will of God. And to, in the end, to receive fully the experience of the promised salvation that we are looking forward to, the promised restoration. We know this is so true. In in just this past month, I just can think back and reflect on my own sin and how I've had to deal with that in a variety of ways, my own failures. I've had to say goodbye to friends who have moved away, saying goodbye to friends, close brothers and sisters who, who are even leaving our church, potentially. I've had to say goodbye to people who've left the faith. And so there's, there's, there's a lot of things to endure in, in this time. We rejoice together because of God's goodness, but, but nevertheless, the reality is that there are so many discouragements and oppositions and temptations in our lives. We struggle to get everything right. We struggle to resist sin. We struggle to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul and our mind and our strength. The perfect joy and healing and total freedom from sin that God has promised is not fully here yet. You know, I was talking actually with a a friend about how even the good things are not fully good because the good doesn't last. Christmas doesn't last. Sweet friendships don't last. There's... There's work and there's busyness and and there's even death in those friendships, those relationships. Or they can be mixed with, you know, awkwardness and misunderstanding and and ingratitude. Everything in this world is still incomplete. It's 
It's imperfect, even the good things. It's an age of endurance. So how do we endure? What is it that, that sustains us in this age of endurance? That's the second little subpoint here. Faith is needed to endure. That's what Hebrews is saying. After the author says that God's people need endurance, he says in verse 38, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Faith is what sustains us. It's by faith that we live and that we can continue to follow the Lord until the end. And what faith is contrasted with is this, this shrinking back. So what is that? What is, what is this shrinking back? How is that different than faith? Shrinking back is basically another way of describing unbelief. It's to reject faith. It's, it's a kind of belief that doesn't last until the end. It's, it doesn't last in the midst of waiting or suffering. And this is a warning that the end of unbelief is the displeasure of God, the judgment and destruction of God. When you're in the midst of a race and you're running, what, what is actually what keeps you running? What keeps you running until the end of that race? This is a big analogy throughout the book of Hebrews. What keeps you from shrinking back, from quitting the race? It's endurance. Endurance is that thing that keeps you in. It keeps you fighting against the pain, fighting against the struggle. But where does that endurance come from? There's some kind of confidence that you're laying hold of that keeps you enduring. Maybe that's somebody who's just cheering you on. Maybe that's you're remembering your training or you're, just, you're looking forward to that, that cup of water at the end. There's something you're looking forward to, you're looking to, you're holding on to in your heart in a sense that's enabling your body to endure. There's confidence in something that helps you endure. And what the author of Hebrews is saying is that faith connects you to that source of confidence which keeps you from quitting the race. We endure by the means of faith. And Christmas is a time of year to really reflect, to ask yourself, are you enduring? Are you leaving the race? Are you quitting on the will of God? Are you giving in to that temptation? Are you flirting with unbelief? Because if you, if you aren't enduring, what this is saying is that you're walking this path of unbelief which means that we're running to God's final displeasure. So consider, do you have faith? Do you have the necessary means to endure? Because life is not found in how good or strong that, that we are, that I am, that our church is. Life is received by the greatest gift we could ever be given. It's something you have to receive. But look at verse 39. Because what the author of Hebrews is actually doing here is he's encouraging the church. Because he's saying, you do have the one thing that you need to endure. Verse 39, but we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. 
We're not those who shrink back because we have faith. We're the ones who have faith. And right now is this age of endurance and you can't reach that end by sight. You can't get there by your power or by your intellect or by your money. You need faith. (laughs) And the author of Hebrews wrote to these Christians the same thing that I'm gonna say to you. You have faith. If you're in Christ, you have what you need to endure. We have everything that we need to endure. So then, in light of this like, context, what exactly is this faith? What is it that helps us endure? Which is point number two, the nature of faith. What is faith? Chapter 11, verse one says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Which is kind of a confusing sentence. <laughs> faith is, another, another translation kind of puts it this way, like faith is the reality or confidence of things hoped for. What this is basically saying is that faith, faith is the means of realigning your confidence. Faith is realigning your trust in something. And to where does faith realign our trust? It, it leads you to place your confidence for your salvation, for forgiveness, for righteousness, for joy, for peace outside of yourself. That's what faith is doing. It's, it's putting confidence and it's helping you put your confidence and your trust in a reality that you don't currently see. A future reality, something that you're hoping for, something that you don't quite have grasp of physically in this present moment. But it's by faith that we access in the present, in the here and now. Jason talked about this at the Christmas Eve service right last night. What is true in the future? We can access this future reality right now. And it's through faith that we bring the future into the present. Paul makes this very clear in Romans 8, 24. For in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? So faith gives us access to a future hope, which saves us now. Faith is making the unseen God the focus of our hope, the object of our confidence and our trust. Not in ourselves, not in our abilities, and not in our circumstances either which is difficult because we're results-oriented people. We most trust the things that we are looking at, the things that we can see, the things that we can manipulate and control. What can we tangibly demonstrate? And honestly, a great illustration of this that captures it well is Tim Allen's The Santa Claus, which I don't know if any of you watched it this season. I did. Maybe that's where Emerson learned about Santa. And... uh, And Scott Calvin, you know, Tim Allen, he's at the North Pole after he kind of slips his way into becoming Santa Claus. And if you got that joke, then you know that movie really well. And and so he's at the North Pole and he's looking out at the North Pole and he says to this little girl elf, Judy, I see it, but I don't believe it. And she says to him, you're missing the point. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. (laughs) But this is really the important part. Kids don't have to see this place to know that it's real. Because what that's getting at is the idea of having confidence in something that we haven't seen. 
on the basis that even though we haven't seen it, it's still true. Faith is not blind trust. It's not just a leap in the dark. It's confidence in a truthful reality that we just haven't seen yet. Because you believe in God himself. So faith is really the question, is God himself trustworthy? Even though you haven't seen him pull through on all of the things he's promised, is he trustworthy? That is the question that we're asking and answering by faith. So if there's anything you hear today, hear this. Faith is laying hold of the only one that we can have confidence in, the only anchor in this world. Because by holding on to him like an anchor, it keeps us from drifting. That's how we endure. We can be confident now in what God is going to accomplish in the future. You know, I was talking to a friend recently who told me his faith is not very strong. He said, I just have a little faith. I have a mustard seed of faith. As if that were a bad thing. (laughs) Faith is all about what you have faith in, not how much you have. The object of your faith is really what matters. Um, One author I read gives a great illustration that I think is just so helpful about this. Imagine someone who has their pilot's license and they believe so strongly that they can fly their little single engine jet or private plane or whatever uh, from Atlanta across the Atlantic Ocean. They're going to go to England or somewhere. Well, the reality is at some point that little plane is going to run out of gas and they're going to have to abandon it in the ocean. Their faith is really strong. (laughs) Um, But the object of the faith is misplaced. And and that's actually costly in that situation because they're not going to reach that final destination. On the other side, imagine somebody else who's really nervous about flying. They just get really shaky and scared when they show up at Hartsfield-Jackson Airport and they get on a huge Delta jet And they're going to take this Delta jet from Atlanta across the Atlantic. Their faith is small. Their faith is shaky. But they got on the right plane. The object of their faith is right. It's strong. It's trustworthy. They will make it to the final destination. When we consider God and his character... In his power, everything that he has done, everything that he has promised, how much greater is he? We need to ask, is our faith misplaced? Are we trusting in a little single-engine airplane? Are you trusting in man? Are you trusting in yourself? Do we trust in the gifts that God has given us? You know, like this, this awesome, we have this awesome church building. We have a wonderful church family. Are we trusting in, in those things? Or are we trusting... In our own righteousness to get us to the end? Can, can we just will ourselves to endure the race that the Lord has set before us? Faith doesn't mean that we understand every circumstance. It doesn't mean that we deny that things are painful in this world. It doesn't mean that we deny reality. But it does mean that our hope comes from outside of this world in unseen reality. It's by faith that we endure. But, but how does faith actually enable us to endure because that's what the author of Hebrews is trying to teach us. How does it preserve us? What does genuine faith lead to? This is my final point. 
the life of faith. First, genuine faith leads to pleasing God. Verse two in chapter 11 says, for by it, he's talking about faith, the people of old received their commendation. If you remember earlier in chapter 10, it says, my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Well, he's connecting those dots here in chapter two by saying it positively. My righteous one lives by faith and my soul has pleasure in him. (laughs) He does not shrink back. The one who endures by faith is the one who has the pleasure of the Lord upon him. He receives commendation from God. If I said to anybody in this room, you know, consider your whole life, consider all your thoughts, consider all your actions, all your, all your deeds, all your words even, and if you believe that you have pleased the holy and sovereign Lord, you know, stand up. Everything that you've ever said or done or thought, the same sovereign Lord that chapter 10 verse 31 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If you believe that you have pleased him, stand up. Who could stand? I could not stand. But here it says, by faith, the people of old (laughs) received their commendation. God commends them based on their faith. I mean, just think about that for a moment. God was pleased with them. He looked upon them with with a sense of, with a delight. He commended them. This should be shocking to us because And I encourage you to read through the rest of chapter 11 and and even go back and read some of these stories. If you read their stories, you'll see these are sinful men and women. These are imperfect men and women who sometimes did horrendous things. How could sinful men and women ever delight a holy and righteous God who has a perfect standard? The point of Genesis 11 is that Abraham, Moses, David, and all the others are righteous and pleasing before the Lord, not because of the good things that they have done. They're righteous and pleasing to the Lord because they trusted him and his promises to them. As verse six says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. They considered his power, They considered his faithfulness. They considered his word as worthy of their confidence and they placed their trust in him. Their trust was was in something outside of themselves, outside of their circumstances. It was in the unseen realities of the Lord's word and of the Lord's reward. He rewards those who seek him. And because they trusted in him and in his reward, they obeyed God's word which is the second aspect of the life of faith. By faith, we understand and obey the word of God. This is first illustrated in in the last verse we read, verse three. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Everything we see, everything we can touch, is ultimately finding origin in the word of God, in the fact that the unseen word of God has acted to create things. This is what he has done. And none of us saw God do that. None of us was there when he did that. But we have heard the word, 
We have heard it and we've read it in Genesis 1 where God says, let there be light and there was light. And so we believe. We, we in faith are trusting this unseen reality that none of us have seen. And the pattern that we see is that God uh, does real things by his word. We have a good basis to believe that. And so it's by faith we look backwards in trust and have confidence in unseen things. And in the rest of chapter 11, what you see is that by faith they look forward to unseen things in trust. They look forward to future realities, believing that God will do them. And they do that by faith. Abraham is a great just example that I think we're all familiar with. He, he left his country. He left his land. He left his people. He was an old man. And he had an old wife. And God's word came to him and said, go from here. I'm going to show you a new land. I'm going to take you to a new place. And I'm going to give you children beyond the stars. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. But it says that he was looking forward to this city that the designer and builder was God. He was looking forward to a reality that he couldn't see right in front of him. And he confidently placed his hope there. And therefore, he obeyed God. Faith, genuine faith, evidences itself in obedience to God. It brings this future reality into our hearts in this present moment. And the future of God's kingdom and God's plans comes into our present lives by faith in his future kingdom. And that future promise leads us to obey. And so faith doesn't make sense apart from the word of God. That's what verse three is telling us. And that's the point here. We understand and take hold of the hope and power and beauty of God in his kingdom by faith in his word. And when our confidence is in that future, it transforms our present lives by faith to be lives of obedience. So what has God's word promised us? Well, in light of the Old Testament examples, how do we live this life of faith? What are we called to look to by faith? What's, what's different in this moment for us? We're not, we haven't been told specifically by God to leave here and to find a new land. <laughs> God's gonna give us children beyond the numbers of the stars. What has God promised us? This is the last little point here. By faith, we look to a better word. So Hebrews 11 at the end in verse 39 says this. All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Through faith, the Old Testament saints pleased God, but they never ultimately received what was promised to them. They never ultimately received the joy, the glory, the kingdom, the land, the people. They received parts of it, but it didn't last. The people of Israel ended up enslaved and exiled and under the rule of other kingdoms. The sacrificial system never fully dealt with sin. God never fully and forever dwelt with them in their presence. They never were in the joy and pleasure of knowing God perfectly. But God has provided something better for us. And because we have 
what their faith was looking to. We have Christ. We have Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Apart from Christ, there is no righteousness. There is no forgiveness. There's no freedom from sin. There's no access to God's presence. Their promises, they were all fulfilled in the coming of Jesus, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the one whose sacrifice through his death on the cross and his victorious resurrection dealt finally with sin. And so through faith, we look back on the cross. We look back on Christmas Day when Jesus was born and we look back on the cross and to the one that we haven't seen. And we trust in Jesus, the word of God incarnate, the better word. By faith, we receive the pleasure of God that he has for his beloved son. He said, this is my beloved son of whom I am well pleased. And because of that beloved son who took on our guilt and our shame and displeasure, because he took on our lack of trust and our lack of confidence, he gives us hope, a hope that's outside of us, a hope that's outside of this world because he came from heaven to this world, to bring hope, to bring pleasure and perfection of heaven to us and to eventually the entire world, the entire creation. And so maybe you need to look to him for the first time by faith today. If so, trust in Christ. Trust him, look to him, look to what he has done, look to what he has done, look to what he's doing today, to what he's going to do in the future and lay hold of that by faith but we all need to look to Christ right now to find power to obey God. Because by faith, we look beyond this present age to an age when Christ is risen and he is visibly ruling over everything. By faith, we live for that kingdom now, knowing that one day he will come again to perfect us. And that's how we endure. By following the Old Testament Examples of faith, we are looking to the better word. We are looking to Jesus and we look to him by faith. As Hebrews 12, one through two says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus perfects our faith because in him is our hope. He endured the cross for us. He looked ahead by faith to the joy of us. He obeyed unto death, and now he is seated on his throne. And so in him, we find forgiveness. In him, we find salvation and joy and peace, but we find perfection of all the good things that are not yet complete. We find every sorrow wiped away. We take hold today of the future reward we have with Christ in his second coming because of what he has done in his first. While it looks like the life of faith is all these huge dramatic events in Hebrews 11, like building an ark, telling your family, you know, let's get in this ark, God's sending rain. Looking to Jesus most of the time is a simple act of opening your Bible by yourself in the morning, asking him to renew your heart. It's reading God's word with your family, seeking to trust him together, I had struggled earlier this week with uh, being in the Word every day, you know. And on Friday morning, I just, I sat down for 15 minutes and I opened the Bible and I read God's Word. 
and I prayed. And I, I could sense my trust in myself just melting away and my trust in him increasing. It's by faith in him, the ultimate object of our faith, that we can live faithfully in this age of endurance between the two advents. I love how Tolkien captures this at the end of Lord of the Rings, the two towers, when Samwise Gamgee reflects with Frodo on their journey ahead. It's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were, and sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad has happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. I know now folks in those stories had lots of chances of turning back. Only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. That there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. So what are you holding on to this morning, this Christmas morning? By faith, hold on to Jesus. A new day is coming. Jesus is the sun of that day, and he will shine out the clearer. The reward of those who seek him is the light of Jesus himself, shining into all of our darkness. I love that line, when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. It reminds me of, of one of my favorite Matt Papa songs, Christ the Sure and Steady Anchor. I'll read this to close. Christ the Sure and Steady Anchor, as we face the wave of death, when these trials give way to glory, as we draw our final breath, we will cross that great horizon, clouds behind and life secure, and the calm will be the better for the storms that we endure. Christ, the shore of our salvation, Christ, ever faithful, ever true, we will hold fast to the anchor and it shall never be removed. The calm will be the better for the storms that we endure. So hold on to Christ. He is a sure and steady anchor. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for your word, which has come to us which has revealed unseen things. A world where you're reigning, a world where you are our king, where all injustice is over, where all sin is gone, is totally separated from us, where we delight in you always. Lord, we look to that world right now and I pray that you would help us to hold on to that world by faith, Lord. Help us to have faith in your son, Jesus, who is the one who will carry us there, Lord. I pray that as Christmas ends, as we leave from this great celebration, that we would leave adoring you and holding on to you, and that you would enable us to endure, Lord, as you have promised. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.